This is the Grim and Bloody Podcast, which is part of the Death's Parade Film Fest, happening Saturday, September 12th in San Jose. Um, you have me, Anthony DeRowan, um, joined by Kevin Nicholson of Horror Newsnet and Joe Flynn of the Joe Flynn Show. And today we have Todd Jenkins, director and writer of Cherokee Creek. Thanks for coming up, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. You're welcome. Welcome. So I, I assume everyone's seen the movie at this point. Yes, it was yes, lovely. Uh, cool. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I, I, must, I must say that I've been scarred by the movie at this point. Uh, yeah. Well, good. That's what I was going for. There were oh, images there that go. I can't unsee. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> awesome. There you go. Well, uh, I guess, if I may, I'll start with the uh, first question to you. Is that what was your... Um, what was your inspiration growing up uh, that that caused you to get into horror? Was it family? Was it a particular star? A lot of people, uh, especially those who grew up in the '80s, uh, say Robert England or uh, or or, uh, or you know slasher films or something like uh, like that. What was your what was your muse, so to speak? I, w- I would say it was my Aunt Shirley, man. She she was showing me all kinds of shit she wasn't supposed to show me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and all the damn kids I went to school with, man. I, I grew up in a generation where, like, you know, elementary kid school, kids were bringing Playboys and Hustlers to school. So it was, uh, oh, was quite interesting. And I think I started watching horror films probably, like, around first or second grade due to my aunt showing them to me. Nice. So that was cool, man. And the first one that you just mentioned, uh, you mentioned Robert England was Nightmare on Elm Street, and that movie scared the shit out of me as a kid. That's, and that that pretty much scared the uh, you know scared the shit out of everybody, uh, you know that uh, that saw it. It had that much of a you know that much of an impact uh, on uh, on on the film world. I can't tell you how many people you know tell me that it's. You know, it's Robert England. It's Freddie. It's. Yeah, uh, it was also the other ones though too. It wasn't so much just I wanted to do movies. Period. It was just like seeing Jaws as a kid. I also loved fell in love with Jaws, and of course the Star Wars movies, all that kind of stuff. So it was a little bit of all that. Fantastic. Now, have Go you ahead. heard of the? Maybe I could jump in. Uh, the Cherokee Creek. Have you heard of it being labeled as extreme horror? No, uh, I, I, someone yep. wrote that, but I don't. I don't. I think it's more extreme horror comedy, not so much extreme horror by itself. Extreme horror no. comedy. Yeah, that was my first foray <laughs> into like absolute unabashed. This is my vision, and I don't care what the hell you think about it because I'm making my own film. It, it was as far as that. I, I love the passion you had behind it. Um, oh, I just well, felt like this I, the whole point of being a big energy thing. from start to finish. Oh, thanks so much, man. The whole point of making a, a, a raunchy horror comedy was that it just hadn't, I didn't think it had been done before. In my mind, I hadn't seen that before. It may have been done, but I'd never seen a, a raunchy horror comedy Bigfoot movie, and all the Bigfoot movies I had seen, except for Exist at that time, I pretty much hated. And I'd even been in a, I had been in a really bad Bigfoot movie with Billy Blair, who's also in Cherokee Creek with me. That's how we met, was on a really bad Bigfoot movie with C. Thomas Howe and Judd Nelson called Bigfoot Wars. And I was just pissed off that that movie sucked. That you know, me and Billy would keep talking about. You're going to have to just start directing your own movies and writing your own stuff. And 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 then I went to a relative's house for one of the holidays, and then they were like, "You need to come out and use our woods and shoot a movie." And I was like, "What the fuck am I going to shoot in the woods?" You know. And then on the drive home, I was talking to my nephew, and I was like, "Man, you know, the only movie I could think I'd like to do over in my life was that fucking Bigfoot movie, but I don't know how to do it." 
it had to be a totally different version. It had to be something I haven't seen done before. And then it kind of came up with the idea of mixing in a little bit of American Pie and the Hangover with Friday the 13th and then introducing a Bigfoot into it. Very fascinating. From my point of view, you know, those are a wild combo of movies. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't think that anything like that had ever been done. So I was like, and, and then I'm also a huge fan of Quentin Tarantino. And I, 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 some of the scenes were inspired by him, uh, like the van scene at the, at the beginning of the movie. That was inspired by him. Uh, the, the foot massage uh, scene in Pulp Fiction where they were talking about the foot massage and then they go in there and execute those dudes. That was kind of like what inspired that scene. But I wanted to, to take the audience on a journey where they really never knew what the hell was going on with the movie. I wanted to keep them guessing. And I made sure any trailers that I put out or any teasers just didn't show Jack about the movie, Harley. You didn't really know what you were going to be getting yourself into. Fantastic. That, you know, so who's in this film? So for people who are who have not seen the film but want to look it up and see who's in it. You're asking who's in it? Yes. Uh, well, Billy Blair is also in it along with myself. Uh he, he, I, I knew of Billy because I had seen both Machete movies, and I became a fan of his from the first Machete movie. And I had heard he lived in Dallas, and he was going to be working on some projects. And then we just so happened to get in um, that horrible Bigfoot movie together. So from then on, I, I talked to him about letting me do his headshots and letting me work with him on his auditions, and that he was going to book all these huge movies. And then that kind of happened. You know, That started happening for him. Uh, and then, because I do film auditions for the studios, I met Nellie Shudo, who was also in Shutter Island. That was a Martin Scorsese film. I had met her shooting some of her auditions. It was kind of like everybody who would come in that I would shoot an audition for, if, if they were really good actors and I had seen their work, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to do this Bigfoot movie. So if you want to be in it, let's make a movie. And they, pretty much everybody I asked that had came into my audition room said yes. That is wonderful. One, oh, yeah. one question, if I, if I may, I'm sorry, Joe, to uh, Go ahead, uh, Kevin. cut you off. Um, I, I'm a little curious, why, why Bigfoot? What is it about, uh, about that that you, you, just, you just said, hey, let's not just mesh a uh, you know, horror with comedy. Let's make the horror about a Bigfoot, about a Sasquatch, about, uh, you know, about a... Uh, a legend in this uh, uh, in this mysterious uh, you know campground and, uh, and and so forth. What was it, it about that particular subject matter that appealed to you? Well, it was really just wanting to do a creature feature more than anything, and then just so many bad Bigfoot movies. Because when I started researching the idea of doing a Bigfoot movie, they were just all so horrible. I mean, they were god awful Bigfoot movies. They they would never really show the Bigfoot, and if they did, it was just so bad. I just couldn't find anything good except for Exist at the time that I was writing the script for this. That was the only movie that even came close to being a good one, and I and I love Exist. So that was that was the whole thing. I was like, I got to do something that's different. And I knew a lot of people like Bigfoot, and I and I thought I thought of the poster and how I could do it. It, it was a lot of marketing that was going into the idea behind it as well, because I knew there was tons of Bigfoot fans, and I wanted to cover all my bases. I wanted to go after people who liked raunchy comedies, who liked 80s horror, and who liked Bigfoot. So I thought it would just make it uh, more acceptable by the audience if I could just hit all those genres on point. You just didn't, uh, you, you just didn't approach uh, C. Thomas Howell and Judd Nelson to do uh, 
uh, kind of uh, outsiders meets Breakfast Club meets uh, you know meets Bigfoot. <laughs> kind of event, no. I don't think C. Thomas would have wanted to do another Bigfoot movie after Bigfoot Wars. As a matter of fact, I almost think he posted on his Twitter account, do not watch this movie. It's the most god-awful thing I've ever worked on. <laughs> and and oh, I've seen his work, and he's actually a really, really good guy. Oh, he's uh, awesome, he, man. He was so awesome he, to work with. He is the kind of guy, though, that would be blunt. Don't see this film. It's garbage. I did it for money. You know, it's dumb. He did. That's basically what he said. He didn't say the money part, but he basically said, hey, I have no idea what happened. And the sad thing about that movie is they had, it seemed like they had such a huge budget because they were bringing in these stars, you know, from, from California, and we all had trailers and nice hotel rooms. So you, you really feel like you're on a big production, and it's going to be amazing. But as I tell everybody when it comes to movies, it's going to get, the movie's going to get made in the post-production and the marketing. If they, if they fail on either one of those, no one's ever going to see the movie. Right. Yeah. I'll say another thing that I was impressed just as an aside about this film is that um, the remarkable lack of things such as CGI, you seem to have a really heavy, heavy emphasis on practical effects yes, yes. and uh, yeah. prosthetics and makeup effects and so forth. And I like that. Uh, was that something that was a conscious effort on your part? Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I'm not a fan of CGI at all. I can't stand it, especially for horror films. Uh, you know, everything we grew up on that you like is is all about practical effects. I don't care if it's Jaws or freaking Yoda and Star Wars or, you know, even going back to all the Friday the 13th movies. I love the practical effects and the kills in those movies. Sure, sure. I would say this. As I get older, and this should elicit laughs from Joe and Kevin. <laughs> yeah. But as I get older, I'm beginning to really appreciate um, not only the older films that had nothing but practical effects to achieve their purpose, but films that are made nowadays that maybe would have the budget to say, you know what, we can just do this in CGI, but they take the extra time and effort to do it in practical because I think it shows up on a screen. I think everyone... The, the actors, when they see that their reactions are more natural, I mean, everything just feels more organic. Even though it can be practice, it, it feels like it's happening more naturally when it's happening with, you know, the actors and the sets and everything. Right. Well, and, and it's one of those things that's accidentally on purpose. I met with so many effects people or tried to meet with so many of them, and, you know, when I would tell them the death scenes in the movie, they would just not want to work on it because <laughs> they're like, you're gonna do what? And I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm. This is my vision. They're like, we are not working on anything like that. I've never heard of anything like that, and I don't want to be associated with it. So I was like, wow. So I got lucky in the team that I found that they said they could stay within my budget, and anything that I wanted to do that was in the script, they were a okay with. So yeah. as you know, there was no crew on this movie. I I literally lost almost all my a lot of the actors and crew once they read the final script. They're like, we are not working on this. If we work on this, that'll be the end of our careers. Our wives will leave us. I'll never work in Texas again. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to make this fucking movie by myself then. I don't need a crew. So I did the whole – I mean, I was having to do – luckily, an intern came on after a, a few days, and he said he would at least film my stuff. So that was good that he was always there to at least film me when I was on camera. But, you know, even everything else, it was he, he would try to be there as much as he could to help me when I was the DP and camera operator. But he filmed all my stuff and a lot of my stuff. In the movie, didn't get filmed until the end of the movie because I had to flew through most of the shooting. Wow. Yeah, I would say that it was absolutely uncompromised. I've seen, I mean, with bigger budget movies, um, you have to answer to a whole line of people, right? They have to sign off. 
but when you do indie, I mean, that list is really small up until it's basically just the people that are pointing up the money. Um, but yeah, with your film, I would say there's there's enough scenes in the side like this guy's just he's taking it and he's running with it, <laughs> and, I, and I, I enjoyed that, that and part. I, and I thought yeah. it wasn't going to be a big deal, but man, the censorship has made a huge comeback. We are. I can't tell you how many times I get slapped on the hand and bitched out by all the social media websites and, you know, possible distribution companies that were like, you can't put this movie out. No one's going to accept it. No one's going to like it. And now if you know anything about the, the distributor debacle we went through with some of the aggregators and how they stole all the money from us and thousands of other filmmakers, now that we're having to go back out in the market and try to get our movies re-released again, a lot of people won't touch them. Wow. That is screwed up. Oh, yeah, and now Amazon is telling me that, of course, the movie's too offensive again to put on Prime, so I can only charge people to see it. And at this point, they're refusing to put it out on Prime so that everyone can see it, their Prime members, for free, unless I go in and recut some stuff. And, you know, God knows what they want me to recut, because the whole fucking movie is offensive as shit, so... <laughs> right, the whole movie has the same tone. It carries it from beginning to end. And that would almost be like a, maybe like a, a self-reflection, you know, what if I wanted to have... A more mainstream audience should I go back in and you know cut some things so it's you know it comes down into maybe a hard R but yeah your whole movie it, it has that same tone so it would be really tough to say these few scenes would make a difference uh, the funny thing is they just released Midsummer on there and I think Midsummer's got some very graphic practical effects and it's got you know orgy type scenes and, and full frontal nudity and it has all the same stuff we got except theirs is I think is even worse than ours well, I, I actually, I think if I if I may, what's going on with uh, with Amazon is not so much um, the targeting of you know of violence on your film. It's more like uh, they're more willing to accept something with a bigger name, a bigger studio behind it. Exactly. Exactly right. So it's kind of a, yeah. It's a hypocritical thing. It's like if you're a big studio, yeah, do whatever the right. hell you want. But if you're an independent filmmaker. It better be PG. Double standard, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do want to ask you, though, are, are you finding, because what I'm seeing on uh, Facebook, reading on Facebook and reading and, some, and hearing on social media, uh, is that more people, because of this, uh, of this uh, kickback from, uh, uh, from Amazon, the blowback from Amazon, actually, uh, and from other you know distributors, more people are wanting to see this film uh, and wanting to see well, well, just what you know, just what what the hubbub is about with all the you know with all the violence and and and, and so forth. Uh, it's kind of like uh, you know the child being told you know that you know don't touch that oven or don't touch the stove. It's hot, and the child wants to touch it right uh, even more. Are you finding that there's more interest in the film with uh, what's going on with Amazon and other distributors and the issues? It, it, it was a lot more interest about it. I mean, the movie's been out for over a year now. So when we, when we had that first battle with Amazon, it was last year uh, through the end of December and January, where they wouldn't let it on there at all. I mean, they just said, hey, it's just outright too offensive. We're not going to let it stream. So we made a I, – I, I cut out the kidnappers. I don't know if you guys ever saw the kidnappers – that were involved in the intro of the movie that just basically told off people who pirate movies and, you know, threatened to yeah. kill the families and everything. <laughs> so, 
Uh, we thought yeah. it was a fun joke, you know. It was inspired by all those videos we see at Alamo Draft House. I was like, yeah, it'd be fun to go on a movie and do this. And, and we would do that at our screenings and stuff. And we were getting a huge fan base for just people who love the kidnappers. So we were like, we'll put them on the movie then. And apparently <laughs> Amazon didn't like those people. Everyone kept saying, oh, it's all the graphic, you know, nudity and, and the violence in the movie. It was just, at that point, it was just the kidnappers. These guys were in ski masks and, and talking to the audience that they hated, but we didn't know that. We just we just took a guess at it and said, "Hey, let's just cut these guys out and and resubmit, you know, with our distributor distributor and see what they say." And they were like, "Well, they took it, so I guess that was what they found offensive." So we could never figure out what the hell it was. But the funny thing was, was iTunes had no problem with it, uh, and Google Play had no problem with it, and neither did Voodoo. Those guys all played the original cut, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They never questioned it. And before we had to go back and get all our rights back and take our movie off of every platform, um, it was it was number it was a number three horror comedy on iTunes. As far as I know, it was doing really really well on iTunes. But I'll never know because the company stole all the money and they never gave us any of the reports, so we don't know what the hell the movie did. <laughs> yeah, so you know that that's the tough thing about the industry, really. Is you never know what you know your production, you know the company is gonna do with your film, and you just go like, what? Uh, why haven't we seen a dime? Well, the the problem with this, it had never happened in the history of filmmaking. It was just the aggregator, which means that they all they did was the quality control for iTunes, and they did the accounting for iTunes. That's all they did, and they're business partners with iTunes, and you have to use. The people that they tell you you have to use, you can pick from a hand, a handful of them, but you've got to use one of the ones they tell you that they're going to approve of. So that had never happened in the industry before. This is the first time it had happened, and and the company had been in business since 2007. It never had anything like this happen, so it wasn't like <coughs> there was any history or anything. All right. It was just bad fucking luck all the way. So. Uh <laughs> Oh, yes. I, and here's a great and nice little question for you, Todd. Who were some of your favorite directors growing up? Oh, gosh. Well, it's got to it's, it's be Wes Craven and John Carpenter for sure. Great choices. You know, you can't go wrong. is in there as well, so. You can't go wrong with any of those three, I would say. Right. You know, it's like, uh, gee. I'm going to flip a coin today and see, <laughs> oh, hey, this guy. I've never heard of this guy, but, hey, I like, yeah, so-and-so. You're well, my favorite you, director. Exactly. If you see Halloween, that's such a motivation movie for, um, you know, for any filmmaker because anybody can make that movie or make something similar, but what he did was genius at the time, and the way oh, he yeah. used the score to sell it was just amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. I have a Go ahead, uh, Anthony. Uh, yeah, just Go. a quick one. I was pretty impressed by the creature of Bigfoot. You want to talk a little bit about uh, the creation behind him um, as far as, uh, you know, what went on as far as, like, uh, was it um, all, like, a suit? Was it makeup? Like, uh, how did you achieve that? Because it, it looked really impressive. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> that happened because everybody wanted to charge me $10,000 for the suit, so I bought like a, a, a cheap Halloween Bigfoot suit on one of the websites I found. And it was like, I think a thousand bucks or something. And maybe it was on sale for like 500 at the time because Halloween had passed. 
And then I got with the, these guys, and I said, listen, everybody's trying to charge me 10000 to do this. I just want you to take this suit, alter it as best you can, and really just focus on making the face, the eyes, and the teeth, and just sell it with the face because that's the one thing they try not to show in a lot of these Bigfoot movies. They don't show a kick-ass face of the creature. You might see a claw. You might see a foot, but none of them ever really showed the face too much up at that point. Let me ask you something just real quick. You were talking about some of the uh, the directors that impacted you. I, I really got the feeling, and you didn't mention this, but I really got the feeling that you were impacted uh, by John Landis uh, because of the horror and comedy balance. You had, yours was almost like Landis in equal the equal focus on on comedy as well as as horror. That's a really hard balance to uh, you know to get in a film. That's why so few horror films that uh, that use comedy work. Uh, but you seem to have found the balance. Was that was Landis something? You know, somebody that you kind of looked at and said, "Hey, you know, maybe I can do this." No, you know, it actually wasn't. I think it was. I was more inspired by like. Tucker and Dale versus Evil, I think. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> but I do appreciate you saying that, though. Yeah, I wish yeah. I, could, I wish I could say that's what it was. It wasn't. It was that. And um, what else did I like that was out? Uh, I even like that movie about the zombies and Boy Scout thing. You know what that one is? Uh, oh, oh that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that the one. Scouts of uh, Populates or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the title off the top of my head. Right yeah, now. it's like I know what movie you're talking about. Yeah, I, I was really digging that movie because of the way they they, they kind of pushed the, the boobs and the penises in that one too. And I was like, ooh, I got to do that. <laughs> you know, I can really see the similarity between Tucker and Dale versus Evil in your film uh, because I, I just love how the uh, the protagon or the protagonists are these. Rather slightly dense, uh, you know, characters that, in spite of what's going on horrific around them, they're just having a good old time. Those guys are all based on my friends, man. And, uh, those th- those situations, for the most part, happen except for Bigfoot. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. I mean, <laughs> there was there was really a guy who got married who wasn't allowed to go and have a bachelor party and. And, and it was two different guys. One would only let him him uh, go to Top Golf, and she kept checking on him the whole time. And the other one let him go to a casino. But the guy who went to a casino, he really does believe in Bigfoot UFOs, and he wanted to go camping. So I was like, "Ooh, I should put that in the movie." <laughs> so it fits. It fits. Yeah, I mean, there, there, fits. these guys really exist. Those women exist. Those, there, there's a woman out there that's exactly like the woman in the movie. And there's a guy that's just like him, and, and the Chad character is probably the most authentic of all of us. He, there really is a Chad character that's exactly like that in real life, all which right. is kind of disturbing. But you know, that's okay. I, th- uh, I think yeah. I'm still the only one. Disturbing and very real. Hangs out with him, so a lot of the guys don't hang out with him anymore. But he, he is like that. I mean, he's a lot like that. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what's on the horizon for uh, for Todd Jenkins? What do you got cooking up? Well, I'm waiting for – I did a movie uh, before all this crap happened that it, it had to take my concentration off of things. Um, we did a movie. Me and Billy also also were casting a movie with Bella Thorne. It's called Southland. And I hope, I hope to God that comes out soon. That's going to be a really good one. But 
you never know. The concept of that one is, if you guys are familiar with Bella Thorne, she she kind of likes to rock the boat, and she yeah. being a Disney star. Yeah. So uh, yeah. the the whole concept of this movie that's directed by Joshua Caldwell is in order for her to get more followers on social media, she she goes out and commits crimes live and. You know, and she she may even murder some people. I mean, you'll have to see the movie, but it's yeah. a it's a crazy. Give it away. I'm like, man, I hope to God that comes out and they don't find that to be too offensive or something. You know. Oh no, I I don't think it'll be too found. You know, be too offensive. It's Bella Thorne. Yeah. You know, though, man, my buddy, yeah. he's in the one of my buddies, the guy that plays the sheriff in the movie. Uh, at the end, he got cast in The Hunt, a really good part in The Hunt. And as you know, they all got blacklisted and they shelved that movie. Yes, they did. So The Hunt has yet to come out. It has not seen the light of day. And uh, they have not been told that if or when it will ever come out. So that was a movie I was definitely looking forward to seeing. Yes. So you never know what's going to get shelved or why. But, yeah, that well, that's I... shocking to me that I can't see The Hunt. I, I, it really pisses I, me off, actually. Yes. I think there's definitely an audience for for these movies, if you look at the Human Centipede when that came out, everybody was like, "Oh my God, this is this is so offensive! How can they possibly put it out?" And people were watching it. Why? Because they heard word of mouth that it was so gross, and they couldn't believe this was put on film. That they watched it themselves, including me. Right. <laughs> I thought right. I'm like, I'm like, like this is gross, but um, it's not like over the top. Like you know, it really happened. It, it was still. It, I thought it was done. Artfully, uh, but he definitely got the message across as far as what the the story was going to convey. But right, that's the that's same as yours. It's like you know, right? yeah, it's like nobody actually got hurt. It wasn't like a, you know, uh, a cannibal holocaust. Yeah, where they you know tore a turtle apart. Uh, it, it was it's all fiction. At the end of the day, I'm just telling a story. You know, whether you like it or not, it's you know, you sit back and enjoy it. It's entertainment. If you don't find entertainment, there's going to be other people that do. Right, I'm with you on that. I think every, I think all these movies should be able to come out, and if people don't want to watch them, that's great. But if someone wants to pay 99 cents to rent it or five bucks to own it, they should be allowed to. I, I agree with that. You know, it's like I, I agree that you know, regardless, and it's like, hey, the movie could be the worst movie in the world, or it could be the greatest movie in the world, until you actually see the film. You know. Let the people decide if it's worth their time to see it or not, you know? Don't go and just shelve it and say, oh, I'm sorry, it's too offensive. We don't want anyone to see this film. Well, it, it's happening more often than not. It sucks. Yeah, I and I agree. I get some of the horror magazines behind us and stuff, but, I, you know, I mean, the, the only one that really got behind us on the movie was Rue Morgue. I mean, they, they even had someone at the screening, at the very first screening of our movie. Um, Lyle Blackman was there, and he wrote a nice article about our film, and it's in Rube Morgue. But all the other magazines have just not shown any interest. It's really strange. Yeah, that's true. It, it is odd, you know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was it, it was it had a really good successful run until it got yanked off everything. So I I don't understand why people wouldn't at least want to check it out and go, what was this? Why was this successful? But I what one of the things I'm noticing though is they 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 seem to be moving away from supporting indie filmmakers and they're like, hey, we're just going to do our own content. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Because Dread Central now has a label. They're actually distributing their own stuff. Yes. And so is Fangoria. So it's kind of like, well, crap. You know, I was hoping to get those guys on our side. 
right. Uh, yes, I, I know what you mean because yeah, it's like all of a sudden you go, oh hey, Fangoria is releasing something, and you're on like, wait a minute, when did you guys start making movies? <laughs> yeah, you know, or Dread Central, you know, it, it just it boggles the mind. You know, at times. I I'm think sure the new, what, the new platform might be. Uh, so. <laughs> other Go thing, ahead, the new platform might not be Amazon. It might be film festivals. I mean, yeah, I, we we are from the Death Parade Film Fest. But um, if in case you haven't looked, there has to be over a hundred horror film festivals now. More sprouting up every year. Um, so just in case it doesn't get on Prime, you know, you can still find a sizable audience that's going to enjoy your work uh, simply by submitting it. Yeah, we may have to go back to the drawing board and do that. We definitely might. Do you think that uh, with, as you mentioned, with uh, studios or companies uh, actually going with some of their own material for uh, you know, more of their own in-house production for, uh, for streaming services and so forth, is our uh, niche cable outlets like Shudder and, as Anthony mentioned, the the film festivals, are they stepping in as the savior or uh, for independent film, uh, you know, filmmakers such as yourself? Is that something that you see? I'm not seeing that as of yet. I mean, I'm, I'm part of a group right now that's got probably a few thousand people or at least a thousand that have been affected by what's going on in the film industry, and they're all looking for homes for their movies. You know, We're all scratching our head going, what the hell are we supposed to do with these movies that we had out, and we're having to start over from scratch. So it's, it's really weird because some of these guys may have had their movies out for two or three years, and now they're having to start over at, at square one. So it's just a, nobody really knows how to handle this kind of thing. It hasn't happened before. It seems like it's ever fluid. Uh, you know, with the Amazon at one point in time was – Allowing all kinds of stuff to come, uh, you know, to come in. They were picking it all up. Now, all of a sudden, they weren't. And uh, you know, Netflix the same, uh, you know, the same way. A lot of, you know, a lot of independent film coming through them. Now, all of a sudden, it's uh, it's uh, uh, right. It's, well, that's exactly what you said. It's all about Amazon doing their own content. It's all about Netflix doing their own content. And they've kind yeah, of yeah. decided, hey, we don't really care about this indie shit anymore. So forget these guys. Yeah, but then I see ones like Shutter uh, that are coming up with uh, you know with services and so forth, and I just wonder if that's some way for uh, people st- uh, groups stepping in where there is a- an opening, where there's a need. And, Our only uh, opening I'm hearing about right now for us is Tubi, you know, but even Tubi is going to require that we go through one of their approved business partners to get on their platform. Uh, the only yeah. thing with Amazon right now is Amazon is the only platform you can go directly through, but it's only for the U.S. and the U.K. Sure. And and you and, and then that does not guarantee you will get on Prime, but you can submit it yourself, and if they think the content is okay, you can charge people to see it. But that does not mean that they have to list it under any genre. So what right. they do with my movie is it's it's on there, but if you don't know about the link, you're not going to know where to find the damn thing. You're not, you're not just going to go right. click on horror or horror comedy or comedy, and it's going to pop up. It's just never going to show up. Someone's going to have to send you the link to where it's at. That's tough. Yeah. That is really tough. 
and and yeah. they, in order to even put it on there, they take fifty percent of every dollar you make. So you're like, well, Jesus, you guys are taking fifty percent of every dollar I make, I make, but you won't even list it on the freaking platform. So it, it makes it almost impossible to make any money because you're spending, you'll spend five hundred to a thousand dollars a month just trying to advertise it, and then you're just trying to break even, and then they're going to take half of it. So it, it's tough. Right. If they would just list the damn movie and let people decide, it'd be fine. But as you know, it's it's like now there. It seems they're, like you said they're really just pushing like the top money makers. If you look under horror or, or anything, it's going to be like the top twenty twenty five horror films that are really well known. You're not going to see a whole lot of other ones. Yeah. Right. Right. And thankfully, Scream Team. I don't, I don't know what you guys are. You guys familiar with Scream Team releasing? I think yes, I so. I, okay. so. I mean, at least they're stepping up and putting some pretty quality horror films out there for people to see. But, I mean, it's just like, even with that, you're, you really can't reach the audience that you need because it's just so damn hard to get it out there. Because we, we, I, I probably have like 40, I would say between 20-something, 30-something thousand fans of just Cherokee Creek. And it's, and you know, with all the algorithms that they've now put in effect on um, – Facebook and Instagram, you might post something and five people see it. I mean, that's it. It doesn't matter yeah. how many followers you have. Right. So it, it, the game has definitely gotten tougher. Like when I first started making the movie, a Me Too movement had not happened, and there was none of the censorship stuff going on. So we, we basically, we probably missed our window of making a shit ton of money by six months. So that's kind of heartbreaking. But, I mean, that's kind of how it happened. It was just like, it's the second we decided to make the movie, get the movie out, it was like the Me Too movement happened. Uh, the censorship stuff started coming into full swing, and they started ripping off movies left and right, taking them down off Amazon and the other digital platforms. So you're like, what the hell did we get ourselves into? <laughs> yeah, house, house funding but, for your uh, for your films that you've seen. Uh, uh, are you are you still mostly you know paying out of pocket? Is there interest from financial sources? Do you? Uh, uh, I 100% did it myself because every time I would meet with an investor or whatever, they wanted to change everything. They just told me I was a complete idiot to try to make this movie and it would never be seen and no one would like it. Well, I appreciate you sticking with your uh, with your vision. I think that what's that's what makes Cherokee Creek uh, work. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, because uh, of the raw, the raw even vision. If yeah, even if the uh, the temperature out there isn't uh, favorable, I mean, how many movies have you seen that it first came out, it, it bombed horribly, and then, you know, 10 years, 15 years later, all of a sudden it's a cult classic, right? Right, that, right. That, well, that does happen. That's what I'm hoping for is just to hang in there with the fight. Yeah. My whole problem was is you got to, if you look at it from my standpoint, we probably spent, I probably spent like 25 to make the movie, 30 grand to make it of my own stuff, my own money, and then people helping me out, family, friends, and stuff. And then I spent the rest of it because we spent like, I think if you were to talk to Scream Team, I think they spent like 5500 getting all the Blu-rays made for us. I spent about 5000 additional getting it out on all the digital platforms. And then I put another six or seven into marketing. So that's when your budget all of a sudden goes from a twenty twenty-five dollars to a $50,000, $60,000 budget. So I'm in that hole. But at the same time, I'm getting these reports back from the accounting people like, hey, the movie's doing great. It's making 2500 a week on Amazon. It's making... Three hundred dollars a day on iTunes. Just keep doing what you're doing. We're gonna we're gonna get you your reports. We're gonna get you your money, and then you go to get the damn money, and they're gone. So that's what happened. So now I 
I, there's no telling. I could have. I'm out the fifty, sixty grand of my own money. Plus, it probably made anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars in that short amount of time it was out. That is wild. Yeah. So you look at those numbers and you're like, Jesus. I mean, we 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 couldn't have been on a higher ride than we were when I actually got the email from the company on Friday the thirteenth. It wasn't the second Friday the thirteenth of last year. It was the first one, and it said, Hey, just letting you know. Uh, you're not going to be getting your money, and we're being represented by this law firm. And I'm like, what the hell? This attorney, you know. So uh, I, I was literally like in third place on iTunes as a raunchy horror comedy, and then all of a sudden, you know, I had to cut all financing, and then it became a fight that went on for the last four or five months to get the movie taken off of all those platforms so that that company wasn't still stealing our money. Uh, uh, yep. That would be a thing to do. So that, that's where I am right now. I just I guess I got it back on Amazon probably. It's been on there for probably about six, eight weeks now. So the point now is to try to get it on as many platforms as I used to have it on. Try to get back to that that top three spot on iTunes. Try to get it on Tubi you know, and, and Voodoo with ads and all these other platforms. And, and like you even mentioned, Shudder. It would be nice to meet with someone that, that has ties with Shudder that could get it on Shudder. Hey, Shudder, if you're listening, uh, you got a movie right here for you guys to pick up. <laughs> well, I, I, the yeah. problem is, man, I think they all got their middleman. You know, everyone's got an agent or a rep that they want you to go through. So everybody's getting a piece of the pie but you. <laughs> so that, that's, well, this, that's where it gets tough. With this next uh, production that you have, with I think you have one step ahead where you've got Bella Thorne, um, a name, uh, attached to the, uh, you know, to the project, and I think that that speaks, or that takes you volumes. That that uh, you know that. Well, uh, I, mean, I didn't, I didn't produce or direct that. Me and Billy just no. acted in that one not too long ago. So that's right. That's what I'm right. um, pushing for as an actor. So we're hoping that that movie will get our faces shown a little bit more, and people will recognize us from that, and then use that as more building blocks to get the next movie going. But if we could do another movie and I and I had the time to sit down and I wasn't dealing with the drama of Cherokee Creek, I would definitely like to write another horror film or even do a Switchblade movie. If you know, if you've seen Cherokee Creek, you have an idea what Switchblade might be. So that would be a lot nice. of fun. I, 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 I try to say Switchblade, think of a, a mix of, uh, you know, maybe Machete and They Live together. <laughs> Very cool. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of They Live. I think that's a fun movie. And uh, oh. I love the first machete as well. So if you could get a Roddy Piper to be in your next film, I think the internet would be ablaze. Yeah, uh, sorry, that uh, has they live as a uh, is is a classic as far as I'm uh, I'm concerned. Oh, and I love it. It's another one that has a a a really sardonic humor uh, to it. And uh, if you can, especially if you can reteam Keith David and uh, Roddy Piper to uh, you know to do something for you, I think you've got a winner on your on your hands. And I do hope that you that you don't be discouraged uh, by this uh, Cherokee Creek uh, you know mess, uh, and you do go back you know get, get back to directing because I think you are uh, an amazing young talent. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to let it discourage me because, I mean, I, I, I've talked to anybody who's famous, anybody you've talked to who's ever made it, they tell you, 
I mean, this this is what you're signing up for. It, it is a constant beat down a lot of times, and you just got to roll with the punches, and you got to keep fighting through it. So where can everyone yeah. find you, Todd? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, you can look under Cherokee Creek Movie. Cherokee Creek Movie is on Facebook. Cherokee Creek Movie is on Instagram. And I'm on all those as well under Todd Jenkins. Excellent. Well, I mean, thank you very much for uh, stopping by on the uh, Grim and Bloody show. I uh, really yeah. appreciate you hanging out and talking everything Cherokee Creek. It really was a blast of a movie to watch, man. Congratulations. Thank you guys so much. Yeah.